This is the Mental Health Movement Podcast, Voice for the Voiceless, a weekly podcast hosted by Chris Milson, a podcast to help break the stigma of mental health and to remind everyone that it is okay to be not okay, and to remind those that they are never alone. Please also note that Chris is not a psychologist or psychiatrist and is speaking from research and experiences. Trigger warning for those for the possible explicit content and language. What's up, Warriors, and welcome to another episode of the Mental Health Movement Podcast, Voice for the Voiceless. I am your host, Chris. Today, we have a returning guest. He was on my episode that we did on music and mental health. Vince, what's going on, man? How you doing? What's going on, brother? Doing good today. How are you? Good, man. Good. I'm uh, happy that I got you on here, especially for September, because as I mentioned in my last podcast, uh, September is a very near and dear uh, month to me because it's suicide prevention month and knowing how passionate you are about mental health as am I I felt like you were uh, the next best guest to bring on here so thank you again for being on here for sure for sure brother um, so before we get started you know as as many of you hopefully all of you because I know there's some younger listeners who may not have been born yet um, today is 9-11 uh, 21 years ago uh, we had the biggest event happen in this country where the Twin Towers were attacked. And I just wanted to read a little something before the podcast began for 9-11. And I'm going to do the same for the very end of the podcast instead of my weekly quote. Um, so let me just read this to you guys really quick and then we'll kick off the podcast. 21 years ago, 246 people went to sleep in preparation for their morning flights. 2,319 went to sleep in, or 2,319 people went to sleep in preparation for work the next morning. 343 firefighters went to sleep in preparation for their morning shift. 61 police officers went to sleep in preparation for their morning patrol. Eight paramedics went to sleep for their night shift at Saving Lives. In total, 2,977 people never saw past 10.30 a.m. on September 11, 2001. In one single moment, life as we knew it would never be the same. As you live and enjoy the breaths you take tonight before you go to sleep in preparation for whatever it is you may have to do tomorrow, kiss the ones you love, snuggle a little tighter, and never take one single moment for granted. And I I just, you know, want to reiterate on that message because... I have family members who live up in New York, New Jersey, and I left the state of New Jersey the day before 9-11 happened, and it was pretty surreal to think about it now because I have one of the last pictures in front of the Twin Towers, and, you know, as as I've said in the past and how passionate I am about mental health, I'm also just as passionate about loving each other and being there for one another. Cause you don't know, you know, like I always say, tomorrow's never promised, you know, we are all on borrowed time and yeah, it may come off a little dark saying it that way, but tomorrow's not promised guys. And I just want to stress that message as much as I can to be there for one, each other, uh, one another, the best that you can and be all you can be. With that being said, let's, uh, Start this podcast off with my good friend Vince. All right, man. Let's uh get this podcast rolling.
All right, um, all right. All right, so the first question I had for you. What do you feel is the biggest stigma for men in terms of mental health? And do you feel the expectations of being a man are too high sometimes? The biggest stigma? Ah, uh, man. So to be honest, in my opinion, it's the it's the fact that like we feel we can't talk about what's going on you know like I when I was growing up I was told to hide my emotions keep them inside like don't fucking let them out don't talk about it like biggest thing was uh my parents if I was crying they'd be like I'll give you a reason to cry about like there it, to me it was growing up in a way that you weren't allowed to show your emotions. You're not supposed to show your emotions. You're the man. You're the strong guy. Like you have to, you have to be that person that does that. And that's what I feel is the biggest stigma. Cause like, I don't know if you watch UFC and shit, but that, that fight that went down when Paddington uh, from overseas and shit, he won. And then he did his whole speech on it because his friend died the day before nobody talks about what's going on in their lives. Nobody talks about the the problems that they're facing, the issues that they're dealing with. Like us as men, we keep it bottled up until that shit just pops and everybody feels the wrath that's been going on inside. You know what I'm saying? Uh, as far as like the expectations, I feel like, what was that question again? So, like, do you feel like the expectations of being a man are too high sometimes? Sometimes, yeah. Because if you get into the older school, old school generational type of people where they're like, you're the breadwinner, you have to be making all the money, you have to provide for everything, you have to do this, you have to do that. Then you get to the younger generation, our age, uh, the ones below us, where like they're like, nah, fuck that, equal, like equal separation of this shit. You take on this half, you take on this half. There's there's different expectations, so it's been hard for me to realize the fact that like I don't have to do all of this by myself, which I had, I just been trying to do it all by myself, but it doesn't have to be that way and that's the that's the hardest part for me to realize is the fact that like those expectations that were set by these generations before us they've gone out the window like we are we're in a different world where like the man doesn't have to do all this shit anymore you know and i know growing up my dad he would work all the overtime and shit just so I mean, until I was like 12, he was a single parent. So he worked two to three jobs just trying to make ends meet. And I kind of took that on myself when I became a dad and was like, I'm going to work all this stuff, all this. I'm going to work these two to three jobs all the time just so I can make sure everybody else is good. When in fact, it didn't benefit anything really. It kind of more so fucked a lot of things up, but it happened. Right. I, you know, it's interesting that you bring up the old school mentality of 
how our generation has kind of improved on that. And I feel, you know, yeah, we're in a better place than I feel like our parents were mentally, but I also feel like that old school mentality is still very there and very transparent about, you know, the, the man is supposed to be the rock of the family, the, we're supposed to be the providers. We're supposed to do this. We're supposed to do that. And then you have social media in the mix of that, that makes men look like they're the bad guys because, Oh, well, he doesn't hold the door open for me. He doesn't do this. He doesn't do that. And then you just constantly get into that revolving door of men taking their lives because they don't take mental health seriously. Like, society yes we're in a better place but i also feel like there's still that giant rash of of the stigma around men's mental health because me as a guy right now if if i were to start dating again or whatever and i don't know this person obviously and they have that old school mentality like okay you're supposed to have a house you're supposed to have a car you're supposed to have uh, the successful job and everything. And it's hard for guys like you and I to be like, listen, like we're established, we're successful, but that, that gray line of success is always so blurred because society has told us what success is supposed to look like. And mm-hmm. when we don't meet society standards of what success is supposed to look like, we're in our heads constantly. Like I genuinely feel like men's mental health is something I wish was a louder message. I wish that more people would talk about. And I'm glad there's platforms like this where we can talk about it, but I don't feel like people are are speaking up loud enough until somebody like a celebrity, like, you know, I'm wearing my Chester Bennington shirt who impacted a lot of people. And everyone's like, Oh, I don't know what happened. He looks so happy that's because that's what you guys want. You don't want to see us, you know, show our emotions, show our feelings. And then the second that we do, uh, you know, something like clicks in some of these women, of course, not all, some of these women's head, like, oh, this guy has problems. I want to distance myself away as, as far as possible. Like he needs help. I, I don't want any part of that. And I've experienced that. Like before I was going to therapy and had the issues that I have with my, with my parents, it's really hard to find somebody who is willing to be there for you in terms of trying to lift each other up with your mental health. Cause we're expected to do that. We're not expected to get help for ourselves. We're not expected to uh, speak out about our feelings and, you know, the suicide rate of men, those numbers are proof of this conversation. And, and it's, it's truly heartbreaking. For sure. I mean, it's, it's sad because you don't, you don't hear about it until that celebrity dies. You, it never makes the news. It doesn't make anything until that person that's prolific in whatever they're doing, whether it be a athlete a musician an actor until somebody like that kills himself you don't hear about it right and that's that's the fucked up thing yeah it's it's definitely one of those conversations that i get very passionate about and when i try to 
here uh when i try to talk to some people about it it's just kind of more of a deflecting thing where it's like oh well men are supposed to be strong we're supposed to do this this and it's like listen like i'm trying to tell you the struggles that i go through as a man and yeah either we're not heard or it's just brushed under the rug yeah that's why i feel like most relationships don't last in today's age most marriages don't last in today's age because now that men have found their voice and talk about what they're feeling and talk about what they're going through I mean, shit, this probably goes back to early 1900s of, of, of guys that were going through this shit. We don't speak of when we were cheated on. We just took her back because that's what society tells us we should do is forgive and forget. Meanwhile, mm-hmm. we have that demon in the back of our head saying, listen, she doesn't love you because she went to this person. What am I doing wrong? What's wrong with me? You know, mm-hmm. and that's my breath. I get I get really heated. <laughs> Hey, you good? You know, and uh, it's just it's it's frustrating, man. And and I'm glad that we can have this kind of conversation nowadays and be able to openly talk about this stuff because as a kid, I I couldn't talk about any of this. You know, I was told my whole life what I couldn't do, and now Love that it. I've discovered therapy, now that I've discovered, uh. The journey that I'm on, it's, you know, it's just one of those things where it's trial and error, you know? Yeah. Um, so the second question I had for you, what was your experience in getting a therapist? And would you be open uh, to another therapist? Like, where, where are you at with that journey? So, all right. Uh, it was good. Don't get me wrong. Like, dude, dude was cool. Uh there's a little more to that backstory, but I'll get into that with you on another yeah. uh, thing. But I liked it. It was very good for me to see what I grew up thinking that I just had this normal ass childhood, right? Normal ass life. Like, oh, everybody does this shit. Everybody's been through this. Like, everybody's done it. So it's normal. Everybody's dealt with it. Until I actually started talking to it, and the dude was kind of like, "What the fuck, bro?" Like, <laughs> I was like, "Oh, so that's that's not normal." Cool, got it. Fuck me, right? Um, yeah, it was it was a good eye opener to the fact that like the things that I thought was normal was very much not so, and like there was just. It was the opening to the years and years and years of trauma that just helped me figure out where I needed to go. Now we both know I don't haven't been to therapy in a while, uh, but I did buy a motorcycle a couple of weeks back, and my buddy goes to that same therapist, and he was like, "Hey, uh, what are you doing this?" He was asking my friend, "What are you doing this weekend?" He's like, "Oh, I'm taking Vince to go get a motorcycle." Blah 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 blah. And he's like, oh, hey, you should tell him to come back to therapy. And I was like, well, like, you have my number. You could just call me and see what's up. But I digress. Uh, My buddy was like, look, you don't understand. Like, this works. The talking works. But the motorcycle is his actual therapy. That's where he does all of his thinking. Like, it is really, though. Like, that in the gym. And I know that's not a healthy way of doing it. But 
I can clear my mind and have a lot more better thought process yeah. going to the gym and taking those long rides and just getting out there than I do actually talking to somebody. Yeah, I mean, and I don't you know, know why. I feel that misconception of therapy being the be all end all to help somebody is, you know, it's, I feel most people when they think of therapy, it's like, oh, well, this is the only kind of therapy I can do is see this person in person or uh, a tele, you know, like a video therapy session. But therapy doesn't have to be with a therapist, you know, yeah. like the gym. I don't think either one of those things that you said are unhealthy at all. If it works for you, if it helps you clear your mind, dude, that's that's what therapy is. Therapy is there to help you clear your thoughts, to help you uh, process uh, everything that's going on in your life and how you want to address it. Now, when you look at the flip side of seeing a therapist, it's one of those things where it's, it's coming up with a plan to heal is what yeah. seeing a therapist is. If you feel that the gym and riding your motorcycle are doing those things, I say it every podcast and I'll say it this podcast too. Seeing a therapist is not for everybody. And I will constantly preach that message because therapy is the greatest thing that has ever happened to me in my entire life. But I, I know well enough that everybody in this world goes through trauma and handles it differently. What you go through versus what I go through. If we went through the same situation, you might not address it the same way that I would, you know, and vice versa. So, you know, like I said, there's nothing wrong with self-care being your therapy, you know? Yeah. And like, he helped me get through, find a way to heal from something in the past. Cause like, you know, my dad died when I was 16. So like, there's no real healing to that portion of it. Other than the fact of like, I can write you a letter, burn it, have some kind of little ritual, go with that. Uh, I reached out to my stepmom and was like, yo, this is where I'm at. And I, I mean, I showed you those. And basically, I mean, yeah, she apologized for the things that she that happened. But there was no actual healing coming from that on both sides. I mean, for me, I'm good with it. Like, I've said my piece. I'm at a spot where I can you know, just move forward from that and no longer hold on to it. Yeah, it sucks. Yeah, this shit, I'm never going to forget it, but it's not holding me down anymore. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. And like you said, you'll never forget it, but it doesn't, yeah, it doesn't hold weight on you anymore. And that's one of the most important things of healing is being able to accept things for the way that they are and changing what you're able to change and, you know, also accept like okay this situation is always going to be like this and it's never going to change no matter what i do so the mm-hmm. best thing you can do is you <laughs> you know yep for sure do you boo boo <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> you know but um i'm just i'm grateful that you're at a place in your life where you feel you don't need to see a therapist to feel better. Um, you know, you have your ways of taking care of yourself, self-care wise and uh, yeah. having a state of clarity. And, you know, I feel 
that for my therapist, at least I work from home Monday through Friday. Like I am confined to this house 9am to 6pm Monday through Friday. And it's a prison. (laughs) I don't talk to people. Like the most interaction I get from people is if I go to the gas station or if I go to the coffee place every Thursday, just as a routine, you know, and therapy for me is one getting that human interaction and B being able to talk to somebody who's not in my circle about the shit that my birther has put me through that my father may have said or done to me in the last year. And if I can talk to her about my day or my week or the last month that I haven't seen her, it helps me keep whatever negative voices that I have running around in my brain away. And yeah. after that therapy session, after all those things are, are said in my sessions, it's, it helps me process everything a lot better. And it helps me find clarity that I didn't have before our session. and you have that with your gym sessions you have that with riding your motorcycle so i mean props to you for not uh i don't want to say relying on therapy because that's not that's not what i what i why i'm in therapy but not having to feel like it's a crutch for you to lean on essentially yeah i think mine i get enough interaction with people during the week and it kind of makes it hard when I come home because, like, I have so much, like, that I can take of dealing with people. Yeah. That by the time I get off of work, I'm just like, I don't want to talk to nobody. I just want to go to sleep, eat some food, watch some TV, do something, right? But when I get home, I have to put that away because I have kids. So it, it sometimes is draining a little, but... I think that's why I prefer the the gym and the motorcycle because that's more solo. It's more one-on-one with myself. Right. I feel like. Um, so the next question I had for you was kind of had, had a little to do with you being a dad as well. So how do you feel you cope with your mental health struggles? Like, do you feel like you confidently do it? Or is it just kind of like manageable? Because I know being a dad has its challenges, uh, you know, uh, all on its own. Excuse me. Uh, Yeah. Uh, Definitely not confidently. Definitely not. Because, like, I I have triggers. Right. That just, that'll just send me over the edge. And I don't know. I'm still trying to figure out why. I mean, I know why. And where the deep rootedness comes from on it, but eliminating that—that that is the the biggest struggle I have right now—is is like I see things, and there's things that I was told when I was younger, like you don't fucking do that, you can't, that's not where, and like seeing that and coming back from that and trying to like not be the same as my parents. Does that make sense? Because like, cycle. yeah, I don't want to do that. Uh, it it is definitely a struggle because there is there's days where like my depression kicks in and 
Like I'll make it through the workday. Barely. I'll make it through the workday. But by the time I get done, I'm so drained that I don't want to be around anybody. But that flip side, society has told us that basically if you're not spending 100% of your time with your kids, you're a fuck up. I feel like that's how I feel because of what has been portrayed through everything. Yeah. Whether it's social media, television shows, music, like anything. It, it just comes out to that. And so I feel like, you know, the days that I'm having where I'm depressed, I don't want to be around anybody. Like my anxiety is high and I just want to, I want to take a shower, flip off to my room. And even if I do accomplish that and go do that, I can't relax because I'm sitting there just beating on myself. Like, what what are you doing? You could be out there with the kids. Like, they're not getting quality time with you. What the fuck? So I deal with it. I manage it probably a lot better than I would have five years ago, ten years ago. But there's still room for improvement, I feel like. And your your kids are both fairly young still, right? Like they're Yeah. My oldest is three and then my youngest is eight or he'll be one in December. We'll just say that. Okay. Um yeah, and it, you know, it's interesting you bring up the if you don't spend the hundred percent time with your kids conversation, because I definitely remember growing up, my parents were divorced really young. Uh I was eight years old when they divorced and my brother was four. My sister was just born. And I remember that my birther would constantly shit on my dad for not being there or, oh, well, he's an hour late or, you know, he works too much or this, this, and this about your father. And that was something that really affected me to the point of where I would get in fights with friends who would go on their Facebook, who would go on their MySpace, or not MySpace, because we were all really young then, so more Facebook, um, saying, out, oh, well, my ex, my ex did this with kids, and he's a deadbeat, and this, this, and this. I'm like, listen, your trauma, everything you went through with that guy is 100% valid, and I'm not saying it's not, but what example do you set for yourself, for your kids, to sit there and post on social media how bad of a person your your baby daddy is how bad of this how bad is that he's a deadbeat but on the flip side if you were to do that if i were to do that if my dad were able to do that we are the antichrist we are the worst human beings in the world again that's mm-hmm. another stigma that is very real that i feel is severely frustrating that society looks at men as if you're going through relationship problems or if you're in a breakup and you happen to be a father, if you're not there hundred percent of the time, if you're not picking up them from school or whatever it is, you're a piece of garbage and you deserve to be treated as such. And yep. something I wish this society would get better at because certain situations. Sure. If the kids are in danger, if she's in danger of this guy, okay, I get it. But again, keep it off of social media. It doesn't need to be there. And maybe that's just me talking crazy. But no. No, I completely agree. Cause I see a bunch of people that are just always 
talking about how their baby daddy is a piece of shit or how their baby mom is a piece of shit. And I'm like, let me put it from my perspective. <clears throat> me and my wife, we didn't work out, right? We realized that we weren't good for each other. I'm not going to sit there. I don't, I'm not going to badmouth it because those kids are like, they see the best in, they see the best in their parents, right? So I'm not going to put a false image of their parent in them. Like, that's just not what, that's not cool. And you can't sit there and badmouth them because if you start sitting there and badmouthing them, then the kid's going to start badmouthing them. And now they've got this hatred. Like, I grew up with that, bro. Like, my dad did not like my mom at all. And, you know, there's a lot of different stories that go around. And all I can do is piece together from what I've heard from, like, 17 different people. Because, Jesus. But, like, I've heard so many different stories that it's just, like, who do you believe? Now I'm seeing. Yeah, you, you, you really don't know who to believe. So, you can only pick and you can take each story and then go from it and build that like this is where things are starting to line up and this is how you know and I'm not going to be the one that I don't want to be the one that uh, does shit like that because like I was that kid where their parent was talking shit on the other parent and it's not cool right? because then they grow up hating that other parent and like then they hear another version of the story where it's like what what the fuck right so my my sister grew up not liking my dad because of things my mom would tell her my sister lives in new jersey with my mom and fast forward to 2022 when my sister came down here i think in may june something like that um basically my mom had whispered in my sister's ear all 22 years of her life about things my dad said, things my dad did. So when my sister came down here, she's like, I'm really nervous to see dad. What if he hates me? Blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, Kayla, like, go just talk to him. And my dad called me after she got done visiting. And he's like, you know, me and your sister, we sat down and we talked for like two hours and she asked me all the questions about things mom has told her. And I told her the truth. And she's like, you know, my dad said, I didn't defend myself because what point is there to defend myself and then badmouth her to you? That's not what I want to do. So, yeah, my dad did bash my mom sometimes. And not to say none of it was justified because my mom and dad fought probably almost all 30 years of my life, almost all 30. And all my life, I heard my mom talk shit about my dad and say that I'm a piece of shit like my father. And, you know, just so many things that I've heard while, you know, I was, however, an old kid watching and just recording in the back of my mind, like the things that my mom would said or done and fast forward to now, I can acknowledge that she is just a narcissistic, manipulative person. And she's done that to my sister, and she's done that to me. Luckily, my brother grew up with my dad. Uh, not to say it was like the perfect in the environment, because it wasn't. But 
my brother thankfully got away from her claws. You know, she didn't poison his mind at all with anything. Like I remember when I was 14 and I got caught smoking weed in high school and I got suspended Mm. for like two days because I left the campus and, uh, the corporal found us in like these little swamp lands where there was like a bench and everything that some kids had brought in. And I got suspended for skipping lunch and they searched my bag, had a, had a dog on me and everything. Um, my mom had me terrified of what my dad was going to say. So I didn't talk to him for like three months because of my mom. And um, fast forward to now, there's so many things my mom lied to me about uh, that my dad never said or never did. But on the other hand, I've, I've, I've seen things my dad has done that I wouldn't consider, uh, you know, him being a role model of a parent. As a parent, <laughs> obviously, as you know, there's no such thing as a perfect parent. No. My parents were nowhere near perfect. I would say my dad tried more to be a parent than my mom did. But, you know, like I said, just that, that bashing shit, man. It, my whole life. And it pisses me off seeing it on, on social media. And that's a trigger for me. I cannot yeah. stand seeing. Because I remember getting to a gigantic fight on somebody uh, on somebody's post they were bashing their um, their baby daddy and everything. I'm like, listen, this doesn't need to be on social media. And all her friends attacked me over it, saying, oh, well, he's not a good person. He's this, he's that, he's this. And I said, you know, that's that's all fine that he's all those things, but why does it need to be everybody else's business? Right. You know, and, oh, God, man, it's something I wish that was never invented with social media sometimes, because good Lord. It's so toxic. Yeah, I, I go back and forth on wanting to delete all of my shit. If it wasn't for this mental health stuff, I would probably do the same, but I like to keep this platform and keep the message going. So Right. You know, um, so what does the 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 suicide prevention month mean to you? Uh how do you feel you contribute to uh to the awareness of uh, September? Man, uh, and, and you don't have to get like <laughs> you don't have to dig into like any any stories that might like cause you any like stress or anything. Just you know, nah. Uh, so like for me, back in like 2017, I tried to unalive myself unsuccessfully because obviously I'm still here. But yeah, uh. I was in a really dark spot, probation, all that shit. Uh, but now that, like, I'm, that's, that was five years ago. So now I'm more of, like, I have a lot of friends that will reach out. And I like to say, I don't have any friends, but I have a lot of friends that will reach out uh, when they are having those thoughts, when they are very much in a dark spot and are thinking about it or all that. I have a lot of guy friends that when I confront them about it, they're like, we're guys, we don't talk about that. And I'm like, but we can. And I'm giving you that opportunity right now. And to me, it's more of the, 
if I can reach out and help somebody in some way and not do it, then I feel like I've done what I need to do. And that's pretty much what it means to me. If I can help somebody make it through another day when they're having a bad day, because I needed that at some point, then I feel like I'm doing good. When my, um, when my brother Santi, uh, before he passed away, um, we have this mutual friend, uh, Jose, who grew up in a very religious home, you know, very, you know, there's a reason for everything. And God tells mm-hmm. you that you have depression and all this stuff, blah, blah, blah. Um, his friend Jose was never allowed to talk about how he felt about depression because of being in that highly uh, religious, stressful environment where it's just like, that's taboo. We don't talk mm-hmm. about it. And, you know, okay, you're feeling suicidal, go pray. Or you have depression, go pray. And that that's what he was told his entire life. So fast forward to a couple of years ago. Um, my second attempt, thankfully it was unsuccessful. Um, my brother Santi reached out to me that day. I posted my suicide note on Facebook, deleted it within five minutes because I was so ashamed that I put it on there because it was a cry for help. And I didn't know how to put it out there without like somebody calling the cops on me. Cause again, again, as you know, if you talk about wanting to take your life, you're talking about suicidal thoughts. Most people who aren't self-aware enough to be like, okay, let me see how I can help this person. Call the cops. Mm-hmm. You, you know whatever when i posted it there was two people that reached out to me my friend rochelle who is my tattoo artist um she reached out to me she screenshot it before i deleted it mm. sent it to me she's like hey i just want you to know i saw your post i'm here if you need to talk and and everything else and then santi called me i haven't talked to santi 2010 we went to high school together but we weren't like we weren't friends like that we just knew of each other and when he messaged me you know we talked on the phone for like an hour 45 minutes and in that instant i felt closer to him than i have my whole family and i don't know how long he saved my life that night you know he told me you know i'm here for you You don't have to fight through this shit alone and you know the the message that i try to stress every time somebody's going through something and fast forward to 2019 2020 like by around the pandemic well right before the pandemic he asked me if he could tell my story to the people that he was going to church with and i'm like yeah i'm okay with that you know i feel comfortable enough uh sharing my story with people that, you know, hopefully it helps somebody. And he was telling me about his buddy, Jose, who always had really dark thoughts and didn't know how to speak out about. So the day that Santi passed away, um, me and Jose finally became friends with each other. And I saw him when we went to his memorial site and he walked up to me. He's like, Hey man, I, I just, wanted you uh, wanted to meet you Santi's told me all about your story and everything else he's like I'm Jose I I immediately started crying because you know obviously the situation with Santi and then him uh walking up to me immediately embrace him in a hug it's like bro bro. 
you don't know the impact you can have on somebody until you help them, until you save their life. Just asking somebody how their day is is so impactful. And like I was saying to you, I'm confined to this chair Monday through Friday by myself, nobody to talk to. It sucks, but I've managed to find ways to get myself either A, out of the house or B, interact with people a little bit more. And helping Jose meant the entire world to me. So for you to be able to use your story and what you've gone through to help other people, especially being a man, and I'm going to stress that enough, especially being a man, is just unworldly of of people like you and I to do. So I'm grateful that you and I have connected. I'm grateful that we've met and became friends because, man, there's not enough men who talk about mental health. Fuck no. And, you know, I'm just glad that you're able to feel comfortable enough to help other people, you know? My, what I wanted, and it it sounds funny because, like, I don't like people. But, like, what I wanted to do growing up after, actually, after I hit and graduated high school was be, like, a psychologist, be a psychiatrist. I wanted to help people that went through shit that I went through because, like, motherfuckers go through some shit that I went through they they come out a little fucked up and it's funny because like I don't really like people so then you know I did the whole probation thing and that kind of just went away but I still am trying to find ways to do that you know yeah I mean I always you know I'm in the same mindset as you and wanting to help people um I don't dislike being around people. I do get anxiety around a lot of people. Um, but in terms of helping people, because I know the school thing, while technically it's possible, it's just not financially possible at the moment. Um, mm-hmm. I use my experience, the knowledge that I have, and um, my platform to, to help people the best way that I can, because, you know, I said it in that last TikTok that I made about, you know, there's being so many people with big names in this mental health community who aren't willing to, I guess, lower themselves. I see this. I don't know. This is how I look at that situation. I don't feel like if you're in it for the mental health community, you're in it to help people. I wouldn't think helping somebody would be stepping down from where you are in the hierarchy of of this community you know i just if for some way in the universe that i were to ever become a household name and be able to reach thousands you know whatever i mean technically i have i have reached a uh, 1500 people technically yeah and it wasn't something that i dumped a bunny any money into it just happened organically if by some way I was able to reach hundreds of thousands of people, me personally, being somebody who has felt alone almost their entire life, I don't think I would ever just turn down, oh, well, you know, you want me on your podcast or you want me to help get your message out there? Great. I will do that for you and I will help you. 
I just, it bothers me so much that so many people in this community either a do it for the money, which, you know, I'm not saying don't do it for the money. If you can make it doing what you love. Great. But yeah, do it for just the money and not for helping people is absolutely absurd, you know? Um, but you know, we got people like you and I who, you know, we don't, we don't charge people to give them advice, man. Like, or just to be there for people. And yeah, that's what I would think being uh, a mental health advocate is about is just being there for somebody. And if they ask for advice, sure. If, if they want resources, great, but you know, I don't know. It's, it's a whole big thing, man. It's a lot of frustration. Um, how do you remember feeling when you were becoming aware of your mental health struggles? Like, was there a point in your life or an event that happened in your life where a light switch went on? It's like, wow, I have all of these things that I struggle with. So let me, uh, I guess get the help for myself. Yeah, actually. Uh, so from like 2015 till 2019, I worked for a restaurant back in Dallas, Texas. It was called X10 in Texas and great place to work. Great place to work. Uh, doing that kind of work, doing the chef work, the culinary work, all of that, it's very high stress. It's very, there's a lot of expectations on you, right? And I came to be known as the guy that would yell and cuss at people and make them feel bad about themselves. Like I came, I came to be known as that guy. Like the Gordon Ramsay that you see in the television right, shows, right, right. that was me. That I'm, I'm just, I was that way. So it was at that point where like the two owners, one of the owner's sons, like they all kind of sat me down and were like, hey, you got some anger issues that you need to work through. And like, we're just asking you to tone it down a bit. Like there's something going on with you. There's a lot of things built up. And then one of the owner's wives, like we talked, and her and her son kind of talked to me and they were like, we think you should go into therapy. Like, there's a lot of shit going on. Your dad died. You got shot. Like, your dad died when you were 16. You got shot when you were 17 and almost died. Like, there's a lot of shit going on. And it was at that point where, like, I started to realize that I didn't really start to tone myself back till after 2019. I got off probation. I moved to Lubbock, Texas and worked for a guy named Thomas down there. And he kind of worked with me and was like, look, I get it. This is, these are stressful situations. This is how we're going to work. And he actually worked with me and was like, we're going to do it like this. And it's just going to flow smoothly. And then my kid, like my firstborn came and I kind of had to dial it all the way back. You know, that was, I do slip up a lot with like, getting angry over stupid shit and i know it's stupid shit but to him it's not stupid shit like that's he's a kid he he gets enjoyment out of little things and i'm like when i hear daddy 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 a lot i'm like i kind of i snap sometimes i'm like mm. right my guy <laughs> five seconds please five seconds but I, I was a lot better, and then I kind of started getting back. But now I'm trying to get back to being a lot more chill and not as angry. 
it's amazing the progress that one person can show on a matter of five years, isn't it? When you look at yourself five years ago and you look at yourself now, it's like that other person, that other version of you wasn't real. You know, yeah. like every time I think about high school or when I went to wrestling school, like everything that happened in my 20s doesn't feel like any of it happened. And yeah. it's crazy to me because like, obviously the pandemic felt like one really long year, right? Like everything was closed down or travel restrictions and us having to wear a mask or having to get vaccinated to work, whatever it was. Yeah. It felt like all one really long year. I've caught myself having conversations with people where I would ask them about an event that happened two years ago and didn't realize it. And I was, I always say to them, like, I literally have no conception of time anymore. Like, I don't remember anything probably before 28, like nothing. I don't remember conversations. I don't remember people that aren't in my life anymore, like nothing. And it's crazy when you look at yourself five years, if you can remember, which I can't. Um, (laughs) And and you compare it to the person you are now, it's like, I'm going to therapy. I live on my own. I have a podcast and I'm sticking to it. I'm doing this mental health group on Facebook. And it's just like, who the hell am I? But, you know, when you look at the progress you've made, it's incredible when you acknowledge how much you've made and how much of a better place that you're in right now. Hopefully that's the case for everybody listening, but (laughs) um, you know, like I said, all it takes is that one decision in your life that can make everything so much better. That one conversation you have with a friend that one time you reach out to a therapist, you know, the one concert you go to and meet your hero mm-hmm. and, oh, we're going to get to that. We're going to get to that conversation. It's not a question I wrote down, but we're going to get to that. Um, just that one person that you met can immediately change the blueprint of, of your life, the blueprint of your future, you know, and it's amazing when you talk about your, your, your journey five years ago compared to now and every day's every day's a lesson for us essentially yeah for sure i'll do five years ago i didn't even know if i was going to be fucking free right right now like i was living hold on one second uh i was living basically each day uh, like just trying to make it by because I had so many rules to follow that I didn't it, you get on probation you get given a bunch of rules right there's so many that I mean it's hard to follow every single one of them and they hand you a packet and it's got 200 something rules in it you're like, mm, am I able to do this? Like, is this going to be feasible? So, I mean, five years ago, I didn't even know if I'd be out right now. Yeah. Yeah, it's, you know. I always, you know, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. I always thought that I was going to end up 
getting my probation revoked and sent off. And, you know, I was on a probation where, like, you you finish it and they take it off your record. or they, It shows up as an arrest called deferred. But if you fuck up, they send you for the max that it could have been. So for me, that would have been 20 years. So, like, I lived every day just like, I can't fuck up, I can't fuck up, I can't fuck up. If I do, then I ain't going to be around. Right. So. It's, it's, good, uh, it's good you made it through that, man. I'm sure it wasn't an easy lesson uh, or easy time in your life. But, you know, fast forward to now, I'm, I'm grateful to call you a friend. And I'm grateful that you made it through, man. Um, I couldn't imagine how hard that was, you know. Um, what is the most important lesson you want to teach your family when it comes to their mental health or in this case your kids the biggest thing we're teaching to them is to speak up if something's bothering them Uh, right now the main thing for them is that's their body they don't want to give people hugs don't give them a hug you don't want to give them a kiss? Don't give them a kiss. Like, And it's weird to... You've got all these people from the older generations, like the ones before us and stuff, where like, they're like, give me a hug. And you're like, mm, I'm okay. I'm good. I don't feel like I want to right now. Then they go and give you one, right? Because it's just, they're just like, nah, fuck that. Like, if I tell you to give me a hug, you're going to give me a hug, and they just go and get it. Uh, kind of ran into that when I went to the concert. Uh, my mom and her husband came down. My son will tell you if if you come up to him and you're like, "Hey, can I have a hug?" and he'll be like, "No, I don't want a hug. No, thank you." Like he's respectful about it. He's he's cool about it. Like, but to go in and get the like after he says no and then go and get it 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 breaks that boundary and like I suck at boundaries I am the shittiest person with boundaries because if I say no and then I get pestered about it I'm like yeah fuck it fuck it let's go let's go let's do this like so I gotta work on that for sure like I already know and the main thing I want to teach them is kind of don't be like me like don't 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 break don't break your boundaries don't let people walk all over you like be firm in what you want and stand up for what you want i was never able to stand up for what i wanted so now that i am able to i'm like fuck yeah you want help for your head i got you like you want to talk i got you oh we don't do that yeah you don't do that you can go fuck off (laughs) I do that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But like, yeah, no, I think the open line of communication between them, you know, the kids and their parents, that's that's the main thing. Because like, if the kid doesn't feel like they can talk to the parent, then that's not okay. Right. I mean, they're just going to go do shit behind your back. And, like, that's how I was. I, I felt like I couldn't talk to my parents because, like, I couldn't. It, it, mm, I got dismissed 
or the things that I thought or the things that I, you know, was going through. And like I had dark thoughts and shit when I was a kid, but if I brought them up, it was like, oh, yeah, no, you just want attention. That's all it is. You just want attention. Until fucking nine o'clock at night and I've got the cops knocking on my door and I'm fucking 15 years old and they're wanting to talk to me because they think I'm going to kill myself. Right. And then get in trouble for that. I mean, it's not even... I want them to be able to talk to me, be comfortable with me, and like, I'm doing better, trying to do better. I don't really know if I am, but I'm trying to do better. Yeah. It's hard sometimes, but like, I don't want them to feel like I did that night when, you know, somebody comes to check up on them, make sure they're okay, and and get in trouble for it. Like, I got in trouble for it. I got grounded for it. There was no, like, are you okay, bro? Like, there's some right. shit going on. Like, you want to talk about it? Nah, it was just, you're doing this for attention. What the fuck? I remember the first time, and I think I told this story last podcast, so if I'm repeating myself, I apologize. Um, the first time I tried taking my life, I was 14 years old and I was in ninth grade. Um, I tried doing it in high school. I had had the means to do it. I had to plan everything. And one of my friends caught wind of it before it happened. And the resource officer tackled me to the ground. So after that happened and, uh, you know, they called my mom to come pick me up and all that stuff. Um, yeah. I did two days of outpatient therapy um the counselor that i saw didn't help me at all and i remember this conversation as clear as day my mom had called a family friend of ours cheryl um she sent me away to her house for three months and said that uh, i need you to take him i can't deal with him anymore and pretty much threw me away for uh three months of her life so i feel just the part where you said you want them to speak up and being self-aware, helping them find themselves and being self-aware of what they're going through, what they're feeling. Speaking up is probably something I wish I had the ability to when I was younger, because I, you know, again, I wasn't physically abused, but I was mentally and emotionally tortured my entire life by both of them. And <clears throat> It's something I feel most parents should do is just make sure that their kids speak up about what they're going through and speak up about anything. You know, like you said, the the grandparents thing, like, okay, you don't want a hug from them or you don't want to talk to this person. Speak up and say you don't want that. And I feel that is probably the most important lesson you can teach your kids is speaking up. Yeah. And I, I'm sure with... Your oldest, you said, was three, right? Yeah. And, like, he can, like, like full sentences, like, everything. Like, he's he's talking, right? Okay. Oh, um, yeah. So, I, I'm sure sometimes when he communicates, some of it might not make sense because, you know, obviously, it's not like talking to a 30-year-old man, obviously. So, like, sometimes it's hard to tell what your kids are trying to say, I'm sure. Um, with, with him, I mean... 
because like for for him it's like uh he, the whole speaking your mind saying no I don't want that like shit like that we started that very young like way way before and right now it's it's fluent like if if he's like no it's no like I don't want that no dad I don't want that like no or yeah dad like the yes and the no if if it's on a topic like that then he definitely can get his point across on that one but uh, for the rest of it, not so much. But right, right. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, as long as you got the uh, the basics of of them speaking out, you know, I feel that's super important. So I'm happy to hear that uh, there's parents out there that at least try to m- help their kids speak their minds and not try to bury their feelings or anything for their own needs. So, um, do you use your journey to to help what you experience? Uh, what you experienced to help others. Um, which I know we kind of went over about you talking to your friends. Um, yeah. Like, do you ever like I'm trying to think of the right word? Are you ever involved like directly in s- certain people's lives about their, with their struggles? Like, like say somebody says, Hey bro, like I'm going through addiction right now and I really need somebody's help. Can you be there for me? Um, have you ever been put in that situation where you had to like, I don't want to say hover over them, but like make sure that they're following through with whatever you guys were talking about? No, I haven't. Uh, I haven't actually just, it's more so been on like the, uh, if they want to talk, um, I do have a couple friends back home in Arizona that are going through rehab right now. And I've reached out to them and I check up with one of them. I've got him on snap and I check up with him almost every other day. Try to just to see how he's doing, where he's at, like make sure he knows that there's people there for him. Uh, that's, that's pretty much it really that I've been helping with or helped with. I haven't had much opportunity for that. Yeah, I, I feel that's that's huge in itself because addiction is something else that you know we've we've talked about where uh, that has a big stigma around it. So I mean, I'm sure your friend more than appreciates you reaching out to them in rehab because yeah. I'm sure that's a hard journey in itself. How long, uh, if you don't mind me asking, how long have they been in rehab for? I honestly don't know. I do remember going on Facebook one day and seeing that he posted it and you know I messaged him was like hey dude like you need anything holler you need to talk and shit and he called me up like 20 minutes later and was like hey this is my number like this is what's going on so we kind of talked a little bit on that and just was like hey dude if you need anything like holler because his dad we we played football together when we were younger and uh his dad passed away a long time ago too and his dad was very influential for me because like when my dad passed away he was there kind of for me so we've, we've always been close and shit and you know it's the it's the looking you know reaching out when I see somebody going through something that is that's what I try to do 
Like if I see somebody post something where they're going through something, I just send them a quick little message like, "Hey, dude, I see, I see you posted about this. Like, if you need to talk, holler at me." And a lot of them do reach out back. And so a lot of people that I haven't really seen in fucking because I moved out of Arizona in 2010, so it's been a good long 12 years. So. I mean, just having people reach out to you that you don't talk to or haven't talked to in a long time. I mean, that that's that speaks volumes to me. You know, it's crazy when you can put yourself out there like that. Like, you know, I know you're going through this. I'm here for you. And like I've said, and I think either my previous podcast with Tina or the one before that, most people don't know what it means to be there for somebody when they say I'm here. And I feel you and I both understand what it means if you say you're there for somebody, you know? Yeah. So shit, man, like I said, just, just for you to be able to reach out to people or put yourself out there for others is, I, I feel is incredible, you know? Um, what is the biggest challenge you, uh, you feel you face dealing with your mental health? Like, is there a certain thing that goes on through your week where it just, it makes it impossible to take care of yourself or um, it's a constant hurdle. Uh, so like in my house talking about depression and all that, I call it the spicy sadness. It's like, right. it's the spicy right. sadness. Right. And <laughs> I, uh, I ain't gonna lie. I have very, intrusive dark thoughts a lot of times normally when i'm driving down the road doesn't happen when i'm on the motorcycle so that's a plus but uh i think it's that i i have some thoughts from sometimes just like it'd be a lot better if i wasn't here you know but then i kind of snap out of that and i'm like excuse me me i have shit that i gotta get done like i'm not done here I'm not done in this world. And it's that positive self-talk, man. Yeah. I'm trying to have more of that, actually. I used to. Uh, I still do sometimes. But I like to... <coughs> I would talk down on myself. Be like, you're such a fucking idiot. Why do you do stupid shit like that? But my ex-wife is the one that was like, you need to stop talking like that because you're starting to believe it. And I'm like, oh, you're fucking right, dude. You're fucking right. But, yeah, no, I, I do have very intrusive thoughts a lot of times. And it just hits out of nowhere. Like, it could be 8.30 in the morning. And if it's that, I can snap out of it pretty quick. Because, like, starting a day off, boom, let's just get into something. Always and towards into the end of the night. the hardest, man. Bro, it's the ones that come at, like, 10.30, 10 to, like, midnight. And then, then I'm up to, like, 2. Yeah. Three o'clock in the morning. And then I end up down rabbit holes, which is another problem for me. But that's another day. Right. That's another day. <laughs> uh yeah, no, that's that's the biggest one for me. Is that I have anxiety. I've been told I need to go make more friends, but I'm like, I just don't want to leave my house. I don't want to go see people. Right. <laughs> yeah, and I, I feel when most people give you that advice, they don't take into account. I'm like, Oh, you know, they might have social anxiety. And 
I know a lot of people like to throw that label on themselves just because they don't want to do something, but mm-hmm. it's a very real thing. Like, yeah. especially after this pandemic, I have never had like severe social anxiety before, but the, what was it? The beginning of this year was the first concert I've been to since before the pandemic. And this is right around the time when the mask mandate was being uh, let go or whatever. But in the the play, the venue that we went to, you had to wear a mask. So when we were on the dance floor, or not dance floor, when we were on the floor and the, the stage is right next to it, um, there were like at least 300 people, like most of which were not wearing their mask. And yeah. I was like, should I take my mask off keep it on keep and when i took it off i've never had this problem before i had so much overwhelming anxiety in the back of my mind it's like i'm gonna get sick blah 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 and obviously that's that fear that was like plugged into your mind or whatever and i've never had social anxiety before and now Every time I go to the store, like I look down, I don't look at people like nothing. Like I'm so weird when I go to grocery stores now. Um, but I'm trying to break that habit. You know, it's social anxiety sucks. It's funny you brought up the whole looking down thing. So like when I was a kid, bro, everywhere I walked, I would look at the ground. Right. right? And it got beat out of me. It literally got beat out of me. It was like that wasn't okay. That wasn't an okay thing. Like you were being awkward is is the way I was told. So like I started to get better and I would walk, you know, looking up and shit. And now I find it more like I'll stare at the ground. Uh, If I'm standing in a group talking to people, I can't look them in their eyes. It's like, I'm just like, "Mm, that makes it weird. I'm out. I completely understand. <laughs> like, unless it's like people in my circle, I- I'm 100% with you. Um, yeah. <laughs> so I'm going to switch around these two questions because I'm going to save my favorite question for last. But um, so I'll ask you this one. Do you have any personal goals for yourself in the next five years, whether that's uh, emotionally or mentally? Uh, I wouldn't say five years just because. I'm trying not to put a time frame on anything anymore. Fair. I've learned that if I don't, it makes it a lot better for me. Because like this weekend, I had the kids, and I was like, normally I'm like, I have to get this done at the end of today. Like I have a whole list, and then I never get any of it done. But I was like, whatever I get done, I get done. It is, it is what it is. Uh, but goals, uh, emotionally, I want to more so find better ways to deal with my stress. Because I'm stressed as hell right now, but I take it out on people around me. And that's not okay. That's not cool. Like, I know it's not. But I need to figure out how to deal with that. Because, like, that puts me in a bad situation where I'm lashing out to the kids or lashing out to my ex or getting mad at 
other people and they don't deserve that. Right. That's on me. Like that's my shit that I'm dealing with, not theirs. So trying to deal with that, uh, get better at that. Uh, personal goal is to, I've been slacking. I haven't been going to the gym lately. It's bad. Probably why I'm in a funk right now, but I'm also sick too. So that doesn't help. Uh, get back into the, the gym and this whole, I'm going to get my personal trainer certification. It's going to take me a little bit now that I added on another bill with the bike, but uh, I'm going to get that, get back into shape and then try and get into some amateur bodybuilding competitions. See if I can do that kind of supplement. Cause I already do supplement with, uh, being an affiliate for, you know, workout supplement programs. So there's that. Uh, Job-wise, honestly, probably still going to be here working on combines and tractors and shit. Use it. I mean, I can't beat that, what I'm making anywhere else. And honestly, just be the best dad that I can be. I'm not even worried about being with anybody else because I'm kind of at this point where like I'm content by myself it's it's pretty nice I don't have to ask permission which I really never did but uh, I did if that makes sense yeah no it definitely does because you got to worry uh, about that, that second party yeah so and yeah that's pretty much it though I mean hey man those those are good goals you know, uh, yeah. uh, the time frame thing really, really stood out, um, stood out to me because every time I'm asked that question about goals, five, 10 years, I don't know how to answer. I don't know, like, oh, well, I want to be a millionaire. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you get those silly answers. Like, that's just me. Like my goofy ass can't ever answer something seriously at first. But like, if I'm asked what I want in five years or where I want to be in five years. It's hard to put things on a time frame because back to our earlier conversation about uh, us being on borrowed time, like, okay, you can start working out today, lose all this weight. And then, uh, you know, the next day that you finally meet your goal, you pass away, you know, you get really sick, you know, whatever it is. And most people don't, have that in the back of their mind and I get it. I'm not telling you to worry about the day that you're going to pass away, but like, I feel if you put less of a time frame, like you said, less of a checklist, less of a, I got to get this done by this day mentality, you can live a more peaceful and happier life and work on you. Like, yeah, there's nothing yeah. wrong with having that checklist of what you need to get done. But like you said, the time frame thing I think is, is, terrific because already being a high stress mentality and anxiety and all that stuff that's already in your head adding that time frame mentality i'm sure it doesn't make it any better so no. i'm 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 happy you brought up that time frame thing because it's something that i feel most people that ask that question of what do you want to be in five years or what did you want to be when you grew up and i <laughs> can honestly say to this day 
I never thought about what I wanted to be growing up ever. Not once. At oh, least I, not that I, I wanted to be a cop and then I right. ended up with a felony. So. <laughs> and you know, it's a uh, interesting, very interesting conversation uh, that I think I'll bring up in a future podcast uh, to dig into more. But um, so the last question I had for you, and this is my favorite question uh, that I wrote on here, being a big fan of music, uh, like you are, um, do you feel you listen for the message of the music or do you just listen to it for like noise to calm you down and does it keep you, uh, keep you mentally in a good place? Yes. <laughs> uh, as far as the listening for the message and the noise, I listen for both. Right. Because sometimes I'm looking for that message and other times I'm looking for that noise to keep me from losing my shit. And <laughs> I normally have music going a lot. I wouldn't say all the time just because at the house I have kids. Uh, but probably when I'm on my own with the kids and like they're at my house and shit and it's just me and those two. Like, yeah, I'm going to have music going. Probably lowly in the background, but I'm going to have it going just because it's, I can, I focus better. If I'm at work and I'm, you know, tearing into something, getting it, you know, broken down, then put back together, like, I had met with my bosses and was like, they gave me an evaluation and shit. And like, I, I straight out was, they were like, do you have any questions? And I was like, yeah, I just have one question. What's up on headphones? Because like, your boy can't do this with no music. And like, I get, I, I like country music and all, but I can't listen to that all day long. <laughs> so they were like, yeah, if you just have one headphone. And I was like, like, I can throw a headphone in and I'll be good. I'll focus. Like tunnel vision, get it done. And the music helps me focus. But when I'm in a state of mind where I'm, you know, depressed or something, there is the music that has a meaning to it that just helps me get out of it. And I think I sent it to you, but I Prevail's new album, every song on that hoe. Every single song was every song on that incredible. I was mind blown listening to the whole thing. Like when they dropped their first uh, song, uh, you know, how they like do one at a time and then they drop the album. Yes. When they put out Body Bag, I was really oh. unsure about about the song because I wanted to hear uh, more of the other singer instead of just Eric. And when I go back to listen to it now, it's like a whole new meaning because you listen to the entire album and there's a message there in like every song. Um, And so to add on top of this question, same format, what do you go uh, concerts? Like when you go to concerts, do you go there to just have a good time or are you like trying to like listen to like every word and sing your heart out with that? Because for me, I love the entire aspect of concerts, like the intermission, everything. Yeah. Uh, I, I love it. I love every, every minute of it. Like the one I went to two weeks ago or whatever, how long ago it was. That was a very emotional day for me like I cried 
I fucking cried. When Falling Universe did their whole set, I cried. It was over there. Uh, I did miss the entire first band because, like, I got there. They the didn't open up uh, Bad Wolves, which I wasn't it's too worried fine. about. Like, it's fine. <laughs> uh, but they they didn't open the gates till like, 50 minutes after they were supposed to. Yeah, because it was raining and shit. And it was outside. And, uh, but they started it on time. So when they were supposed to open the gates, an hour after that was when they were supposed to, was when they no started it. They way. started the show on time. So, oh, no. I get through the gates. I go grab a bike because I'm hungry. I, I forget. And I always tell myself, like, I'm not buying food at concerts because, like, it's expensive. Oh, food, it's like, I got to get that. <laughs> yeah. And then I get there and I'm like, I'm hungry. Oh, and I'm over 21. I need a beer for this. It may yeah. be $15 for a little can, but I'm going to get it. Right. And <laughs> I got there and I went to the first merch stand, which they didn't even have anything out. Of course not. They were like, oh, we're still setting up. And I was like, y'all been here for all day. And we even got set back 50 minutes and you can't have this out. So I went to the other, there was only two stands. I went to the other stand to wait for it and it took 50 minutes for me to get the shirt. Just one shirt. That's how long the line was. So yeah, I missed all of Bad Wolves and Hollywood Undead was on after that and like I know a lot of people aren't fans of Hollywood Undead. There are some songs that I like. I they have some really good songs, have, I agree. Yeah, like they have a lot of songs that do touch on the mental health it and I'm like those are the ones that I really vibe to then Ronnie comes out and I'm like yes didn't that he was kick whole, off that with was, uh, what song did he start off with uh, I want to say it was Zombified yeah no because he, he had an intro his intro was like uh, talking about the state of emergency and zombies and all sorts of shit and then he came out with that song I love it that was sick but like that was the only reason I really went to that concert was for Falling in Reverse right I didn't go to see Papa Roach I didn't go really to see I've seen Hollywood Undead like I've already seen them I didn't go definitely didn't go to see Bad Wolves (laughs) I like Bad Wolves but like Falling in Reverse was the main reason and you couldn't pay me to go see bad wolves in concert <laughs> so a little background behind why i don't like bad wolves really quick okay so they covered a lincoln park song and i do remember that you know how chester sounds like yes, everything yes. sounds like his whole heart is in his music there's a certain pace to their songs this yes. man came out like he was covering a cranberry song again on a Lincoln Park song. I'm like, bruh, no, shut this off. And I remember my friend playing it. I said, please shut this off, or I'm gonna jump out of the car. Like yeah. it was so bad that I would never in my life listen to them ever again. And they have one good song, but that was with uh when Tommy was still part of their band. And yeah. now that they have this new guy, I still don't want to listen to him. So there's that. Uh yeah. But, um, to touch on on, on your uh, comment about the environment of uh, 
concerts. So obviously, you know how they have the intermission and they usually have a radio playing on in the background. Yeah. So in the very in the um the very first concert I went to this year was set it off stand Atlantic uh, as it is and no love for the middle child. And they had in the end play on the, on the radio right before uh, I think set it off before they played the entire place was singing word for word. That song that came on. And I think chop suey came on uh, like a couple songs after that. And I was standing next to this guy who was my age. Uh, he was probably like 29, 30, just like I was. We started belting Chop Suey together. Like, <laughs> we were, there was only like four or five of us singing every single word to all of those songs. And God, man, like concerts are an environment that is so special. Yeah. Like whether it's the actual band you're there for, or it's, the intermission that goes on whatever uh even the meet and greets man like yeah meeting from ashes to new was the highlight of my entire freaking life like the fact that the lead singer remembered my name blew my freaking mind and you know it's it's really crazy when you think about all these guys and girls are just like you and me with just money and I know society doesn't like to look at celebrities like that and you're like, oh, well, why are they miserable? They're millionaires. And you look at Chester, he looks as happy as can be, you know? And, you know, I feel music is something that is very, uh, uh, what's the word, impactful for people like you and me in terms of mental health. Yeah. I'm really happy you went to that concert. I'm so jealous. It was it was great. I had a good time. The drive back sucked, but the concert was fucking awesome. Oh, the drive back always sucks, man. I feel you. Always. <laughs> How was Papa Roach life? They were. Did I? I didn't send you any videos, did I? I'll have to send them to you. I still have like forty of them. But no, dude, they were. Jacoby, that dude puts on. I was gonna say. I know that man's got crazy energy. God, and uh, it was fucking badass because like ronnie uh the dude puts on a good show he does and he's very like into his crowd like he saw this kid at a sign and it was like i guess it was his birthday that day and he was like it's your fucking birthday we're gonna sing happy birthday to you like it was bad as fuck and then you sent me that video that's awesome uh then there was jacoby it's different at like rock concerts because like they really they really vibe with their fans they really do because like this dude had a sign and it was talking about how he was like two and a half years sober and fucking jacoby was like dude that sign right there that's why i do this shit like i'm fucking such and such years sober myself like you keep fucking doing you keep being badass and all that shit and like the fact that they take their the time out of their set to actually acknowledge this shit whereas like other people are just like they go through the whole set and then they leave right you know but the the rock concerts really have that that familial sense to it where like everybody's family they they include everybody in their shit fucking uh i was in line waiting for a shirt and 
this group of girls, they had gone to the meet and greet shit. And one of them was like, she wasn't bragging, but she was just telling her story where she was, they were talking to Ronnie and shit. And she was like, I spent all of my rent money to get to this concert. Like, and he fucking Venmoed her like 300 bucks. What? Yeah. Yes. It's incredible. I'm like, it's, it's, they don't do it for the fame. They do it for their, their fan base. And you can tell through their lyrics and shit. Like, they're not doing it to talk about this, to talk about it to get views and to yeah. talk about it to make hits. They're doing it to talk about, to relate to them. If there's anybody, and I, and I apologize to anybody who's listening to this episode for constantly name dropping this man, but I think Chester was one of the best examples of a human being. I don't know if you've oh, ever yeah. seen the video of him singing one of his songs. I think it was in London or somewhere overseas. Um, there was a handicapped uh, woman uh, front row against the gate. Uh, you know, she had all blocked off so nobody would trample her or anything. Chester goes down and sings the song right next to her. Like, word for word, like, did the entire song right next to her. And I love seeing stuff like that. Like, yeah, I see some country artists do it. I don't really see it too much from the hip hop rap community too much, but yeah. I also don't really look for that stuff there. Um, but it's, it's always incredible seeing how interactive rock artists are with their fans. Cause I've witnessed that firsthand too. Yeah. Know? And uh, I had the drumstick thrown to me. I mean, I, you know, all that stuff. It's a uh, great stuff, man. I, I love music. I, I'm so passionate about music. Okay, I was watching a TikTok the other day of a, a falling in reverse concert and some dude was climbing a tree and like he stopped his mid-song and he was like, what the fuck are you doing? And just was like, don't fucking fall because then we got to <laughs> stop the whole show. That was great. Ronnie's great, man. But um, so we are reaching the end of the podcast. Um, I just uh, want to say thank you again Vince uh for being on here uh greatly appreciate it uh, we had a very productive uh strong conversation I, I love this podcast this one was really good for me um at the end of every podcast I'd like to read a quote um having to do with the topics that we covered but today being 9-11 I wanted to read uh, another 9-11 post uh if, if you're okay with that Vince yeah um so the head of a company survived 9-11 because his son started kindergarten. Uh, another man was alive because it was his turn to bring donuts. One woman was late because her alarm clock didn't go off on time. Another was late, stuck on the New Jersey turnpike because of an accident his life was spared. One missed his bus. One spilled food on her clothes and had, uh, had to take time to change. One's car wouldn't start. One couldn't get a taxi. One went back to answer the house phone. A man who put on a new pair of shoes that morning developed a blister before he got to the towers. So he stopped at a drugstore to buy a Band-Aid. When you're stuck in traffic, oversleep, miss your ride, all the little things that annoy you, maybe you're exactly where you're meant to be at that very moment. May all who perished on 9-11-2001 rest in eternal peace and may the loved ones still grieving find strength. Never forget. And never forget never forget man uh incredible um thank you again vince uh, i think yeah. this was a great podcast hope to have you on again soon yes sir and for my listeners thank you guys so much for tuning in 
Uh, stay tuned for my next episode. This one will drop on September 20th. Um, as always, be well and be gentle with yourselves. Take care, guys.